So here's, here's what I want to talk about today. Today I want to talk about rest, the rest that God gives us, the rest that happens in our spirit, in our soul, when we come to Jesus for what we need instead of looking elsewhere. And so I'm a visual person and I just wanted to um, have this visual reminder. So my friend and I were talking a, f- a few weeks ago just about things that had been happening in our lives, you know, like the harsh words of a friend. Sometimes they can, you know, wound your heart a bit, can't they? And, um, you know, just financial stuff that was going on, family matters that were going on. Does anyone know what I mean? All the stuff of life, right? All the stuff of life. And um, the only way that we could think to describe it just in that moment was it's like we're wearing a white T-shirt and all these things that happen and all these words that are spoken, it's like they stain us. Can anyone relate? It's like they stain us and, they, and then the stains, like they accumulate. Do you know what I'm saying? And um, so Dan's got this <laughs> just purely just for fun, purely just for a visual. <laughs> so this is like... This is like what I feel my life is like sometimes. I've got this nice white t-shirt and stuff happens like strawberry syrup. And (laughs) you know, maybe, I don't know, there's a tough situation at work or whatever it is. I'm not making light of these things because I know these things really matter, but it's just important to have a bit of a visual. So we've got some salsa some salsa. Anyone, you feel like sometimes the salsa is just sticking to you in your life. You feel like there's stuff going on, it's just sticking to you. It stains you. It stains you. (laughs) We've got some cocoa powder, which is really cool. I'm glad I've taken your shoes off. There's all these things going on in our lives. <laughs> and these stains and these weights, they just accumulate on us. <laughs> okay, one more thing, Dan. One more. We've got some soy sauce. <laughs> yes. Is it a bit cold? Does it feel cold? <laughs> Cocoa and soy sauce is not a good combination. <laughs> anyway, so this is that's enough now, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> and so this is just our visual for today because I feel like there are things that happen in life. They stain us. They muddy our heart. They muddy our soul. They weigh us down. I know you know what I'm talking about. It happens to all of us. It happens to the best of us. Thank you. Why don't you give Andrew a hand? He's the best looking person ever. You're done. You can like, you can go have a shower if you want. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So everyone just remember, I want you to keep this picture in your mind. (laughs) This is our visual, the stains and the strains of life. Can you say stains and strains of life? And so maybe you've got some stains today. And, you know, we all do. We all get stains and strains of our heart and in our life at some, time, at some point. And it's not embarrassing. It's just life. 
It happens to everybody. Don't think for one second that because there's something hard going on in your life that you're different to everyone else. Actually, hard things happen to everybody. And stains accumulate on everybody. Um, and, you know, like we've already talked about, it might be like a, like it's financial hardship. That's what's going on with you right now. Or it might be a marriage that, we, that was not imagined. It was not how we imagined. Or it might be like a health issue that we didn't anticipate, we didn't expect. Or loss or grief. All of these things, these are, these are deep and heavy things of the heart, aren't they? And what do they do to us? to our heart and to our spirit, all these heavy things, all these day-to-day things even, you know, raising children, just these day-to-day things as well as these heavier things. More than anything, I feel like they just make us tired. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about today? Just weigh us down. They just, oh, they just make me tired. They make me angry and they make me, you know, frustrated. But more than anything, I just feel tired. Anyone? Yeah. And they make us feel like we can't keep going. And, you know, even if we did want to keep going, we're not actually really good enough to keep going anyway. So, like, what's the point? We're not good enough to make it. We can't make it to the end of the week. We can't make it to the end of the contract, the end of the season, whatever it is for you. I know those feelings and I know that you do too. Some stains are stubborn and, you know, they take a while, don't they, to kind of be washed out or to be worn out. But the good news is, say the good news. The good news. Oh, can I just say, I digress. When we were, Dan was saying, you know, you just need to worship how you want to. You just need to worship however comes naturally to you today. And we're singing, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am, right? We're singing, I'm a child of God. And when it gets to the part where it says, yes, I am, I'm like, yes, I am. Don't you just want to jump up and down? That is the biggest blessing of my life. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. (sighs) So good. The good news is, the good news is that God actually offers us rest for our soul and for our spirit. He offers us rest. And if you're someone who struggles, maybe with you, you want to keep moving moving forward in life, but you just don't know how. God is a God of rest and he can help us. If you're in a tough situation right now, do you know that God can give you rest even in the midst of that situation? He can give you rest. It's who he is and it's what he's like. He can give you rest. So if you've got your Bible, grab your Bible, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. And if you haven't, I'm going to read it for you. I'm just reading from the message and then we're going to go back to the NIV. So Hebrews chapter 4, it says... For as long then as the promise of resting, say resting, resting in him pulls us on to God's goal for us, we need to be careful that we're not disqualified. We we have received the same promises as those people in the wilderness. So at this point, the writer is talking about the um, Israelites when when God drew them out of Egypt and they're wandering around and they end up doing their own thing a little bit, didn't they? That's what he's referring to. We received the same promises as those people in the wilderness Um, But the promises didn't do them any good because they didn't receive the promises by faith. If we believe, though, we'll experience that state of resting, but not if we don't have faith. Remember that God said, exasperated I vowed, they'll never get where they're going. They'll never be able to sit down and rest. God made that vow, even though he'd finished his part before the foundation of the world. Somewhere it's written, God rested on the seventh day, having completed his work. But in another place it's written, 
They'll never be able to sit down and rest. So this promise has not yet been fulfilled. Those earlier ones, the Israelites in the wilderness, never did get to the place of rest because they were disobedient. And God keeps renewing the promise and setting the date as today, just as he did in David's psalm centuries later than the original invitation today. Please don't turn a deaf ear. Please listen. And so this is still a live promise. That's a good term, isn't it? This is still a live promise. This is still a promise that's available to us. It wasn't cancelled out at the time of Joshua. Otherwise, God wouldn't have kept renewing the appointment to today. The promise of arrival and rest is still there for God's people. God himself is at rest. And at the end of the journey, we'll surely rest with God. So let's keep up, keep it up and eventually arrive at a place of rest. Um, and not drop out through some sort of disobedience. In the NIV in verse 11 and 12, it just more clearly sums it up at the end there. It says, anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did. Therefore, let us make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall. So what's this resting that we're reading about? It's a little bit of a complicated passage that we just read. And what does it even mean? What does it mean to rest in God? And that's what I want to talk about today. What does it mean to rest in God? If you're new to the idea of Jesus, if you're new here today, if you're new to church, <laughs> here's, what it really, here's just what it means. Here's what it means the sim- in the simplest way. To rest in God means to align our hearts with the setting us right that Jesus has already done on the cross. It means that we rely on him to do what only he can do and what we can't do in our own strength. It also means we have access to everyday rest for our heart and for our soul to help us get through the difficult things that we need to navigate in life. If you're a Christian today, that means that your spirit can rest not only in the assurance of your salvation, so what happens after you die, your eternal um, situation, not only in that, but God is with us and he helps us grow and he changes us to be like him and he helps us through hard things. How good is that? Say, so good. (laughs) So good. We have a day-to-day rest where we depend on God for living this life and following Jesus. And so if physical rest is important, like when you're really tired and really exhausted, what do you do? You go have a nap. You go have a sleep. You sleep in the next day, right? If physical rest is important for our body, you don't sleep in. Everyone's looking at me like, what? Come on. If physical rest is important for our body, then it, that logic only, only goes to follow that we need, we need spiritual rest. Our spirit needs rest. Our spirit gets tired and so it needs rest as well, right? And who knows that we can't remedy a tired spirit with, a physical, with physical things. We need to give attention to both, don't we? Body and spirit. So what I, can fi- what I find that can happen in our busy schedules and in our busy lives is that when we're feeling tired, and often it is a physical thing, like I'm not saying don't ever rest, please do, but what we can mistakenly do is we find that it's easier to like schedule a holiday than it is to schedule a prayer time, you know? Or we find it easier to just say, I'm just going to get out of town this weekend instead of just turn our attention to God who is waiting to give us rest in our spirit. One of the questions that God asked his people in um, Jeremiah chapter 14, and this is a little bit random, but bear with me. He just says to them, do the worthless idols of the nation bring you rain? I read that the other day in one of my devotions. And 
I just, I just thought, in other words, it's like God saying, do the things that we've crafted with our own hands, do they bring us relief? Do they bring our spirit relief? I don't think they do. <laughs> I don't know about you, but in my experience, they don't. They don't. Everything that we look to for rest for our spirit and for peace in our heart, we need to filter them through this idea of, is this thing, is this relationship, is this substance, is this habit, is the outward approval of others, is this set of circumstances going to restore me? How's it working out for me? How's it working out for you? Because I think true, deep, lasting spiritual rest can only come from the one who made our spirit, from the one who made us. And if it doesn't come from any of these other things that we've talked about, then the only conclusion is that it must come from somewhere outside of those things, a spiritual place, a spiritual God, a God who created us and who loves us and who wants to give us rest for our spirit. So maybe we need to approach God. Approach our creator for that kind of rest because everything else at some point will fall short. In verse 4, in uh, verse 4 of chapter 4, um, we already have this pa- parallel that God rested from his work, so we rest from our work, right? And so God, that's obviously God is, um, the writer is talking about creation when God created the world and he rested when he was finished. Um, But for us, I'm wondering, what does that really mean for us? What kind of work are we resting from? And these are some of the things that I kind of picked out of this passage. We are resting from the work of trying to earn our salvation. We are resting from the work of trying to qualify through our actions and our behavior that we are worthy of being in the kingdom. We are resting from the work of trying to make our situation work out by our own efforts. Anyone? Oh, if I can just do this, if I can just call that person, if I could just rearrange this, we try and work it out on our own, don't we? And the work of handling complex things alone. You don't need to be good enough or strong enough anymore. It's interesting to me that um, in the text we just read that the writer encourages the audience not to fall into disobedience the way that the Israelites did in the desert. And he writes that because of disobedience, the people couldn't enter the rest that God wanted to give them. He wanted to give it to them. He wanted to give them rest for their soul, for their body, for their spirit. But because of the disobedience, they couldn't enter that rest that was already available. And it sounds pretty harsh and we don't like talking about things like that. But what does that mean for you and me today? So just for some context and revision, God's people referred to in this passage are making a physical journey with a, as a people belonging to God. Do you belong to God today? Yes. To a place that he had promised them. Does God have promises for your life today? Yes, he does. But not only that, he was leading them and providing for them. He was with them the whole time, the whole way directing them. And all they had to do was follow Sounds like it's pretty straightforward, doesn't it? <laughs> and, and he does the rest. And, you know, it's probably hot and difficult and monotonous. Yes, it probably is that kind of journey. But everything they needed to get there and everything they needed to be sustained, God was already providing for them, providing that for them. I've got one little picture, which is like my favoriteest thing on the internet ever. Just pop it up on the screen there. When the Holy Spirit has given you everything you need to succeed, but you still try and do it alone. 
You can't see it very well, but it's my favourite picture ever. And it's a guy who's facing into the sun. He's doing this, even though he's got a hat on. He's got sunnies on his shirt. That's what they are on his shirt. He's got everything he needs to be shielded, (laughs) but he's not using them. And maybe it's just my sense of humour, but it just cracks me up every time. I'm like, really? And isn't it, maybe the Israelites are a little bit like that, don't you think? I think maybe they were. The Bible also says that they could not, thanks, thanks guys. The Bible says they also could not enter the rest that God was pouring out like so generously over them in the desert because of their unbelief, because of their unbelief. Have you ever been so exhausted by your situation or so entangled in what's going on or so upset by what they said or what happened over there and all of these things that happened to us? Have you ever been so exhausted and worn out by those things that you have thought to yourself, honestly, does God even care about me? Can he even see what's going on? I have. I have been there. Does he? I don't think he even knows. I don't think he's looking my way. I don't think he really cares. I don't think he even sees what's going on. But of course he does. Of course he cares. And perhaps the reason that it's not obvious to us that he does is that our unbelief is preventing us from being strengthened by him. And our attitude and our outlook and the stains all over us that accumulate, those stains that we saw earlier, they accumulate and they're distracting us from the rest that we can actually get if we just reach out by faith, the Bible says, by faith, and grab on to everything that's available to us through the Holy Spirit. And I'm wondering if you have some unbelief surrounding who you are today. And I really just popped this in my notes at the last minute, and maybe we'll just pray really quickly. Maybe, maybe your choices in the past have bound you up and caused you to believe that God doesn't love you. Or maybe you walk into church of a Sunday, like if you can even make it, if you can even bring yourself to come and your unbelief has just caused you to believe the lie that God doesn't love you, that he doesn't care about you. I Can I just pray for you? <laughs> if, if that's you, you don't have to put your hand up or anything, but I just really felt in my heart this morning, I was sitting out the front with my coffee, with my little dog in the sun and I was just thinking about these things, what I was going to say today and just really wanted to pray for that. So I'm just going to play real quick and be obedient to the Holy Spirit. God, you know us. God, you know each person that is sitting here. You know each person that is sitting in these seats that have come in for worship, that have come in. Lord, you know where they've come from. You know what home is like. You know what work is like. You see their life. Like Sharon, Sharon was talking about, God, you see us. You are the God who sees. Lord, would you begin to untangle the lies that we have believed, that you wouldn't love us or that you couldn't love us? And Jesus, please remind us of what you did for us on the cross, that you loved us enough to make a way to connect us back to God. We love you, Jesus. Would you do this work in our hearts now? Amen. Amen. So what's the practical application of all of this? If we are stained or strained in any way, maybe it's time to just stop for five minutes during your day And just tune in to the presence of God. Because he's always there, but sometimes we're tuned in to a different station. And perhaps it's time to restart that habit of reading the word before you do anything else on on any given day. I've been reading a little bit about the Lord's Prayer recently. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? And um, I was reading what the Hebrew 
actually says, the original language that it was written in. And the um, implications of it are a little bit more like this. When you pray, say this. My Father, who is as close to me as the air I breathe, I stop and become aware of you. I stop and become aware of you. I was blown away when I read that because there are moments that we need to stop and become aware. Hey, isn't that amazing? I stop and become aware of you. In the chaos of the situation, in whatever is going on at work, in whatever is going on at home, I wonder if we just need to begin this habit again as followers of Jesus where we stop. We just stop and become aware of who he is, that he's always with us, that he's always good to us, that he's always ready to speak to us. I love it. I stop and and become aware. The peace and refreshment that comes from recognizing that God is with us, strengthening us, supernaturally sustaining us through everything. It is worth your time of day. It's worth it. It's worth it for those five minutes. It's worth it for that half an hour. It's worth it to get up early. It's worth it. And then faith and hope make a comeback in our lives. Yeah? And we remember things like this hardship. This hardship is worth it, but I'm going to make it because God is faithful. These, Paul says these light and momentary troubles are achieving for me an eternal glory. And maybe we just need to remember where Paul was when he wrote this. <laughs> Do you remember? He was not sitting out the front of his house with his dog running around sipping a cup of tea. He was in jail. He was being persecuted for his faith. And he could still say these light and momentary troubles. They're producing in me a glory that outweighs the trial itself. Like we've just sung, I am who he says I am. I'm chosen. I'm loved by God. I'm valued by him. I can endure and then flourish because of who he is, because of who he is in me. It's not over, but we must be people who know how to find rest for our spirit. The best testimony I feel like we could ever have the privilege of saying to anybody is, I don't know how I got through it. I don't know how it worked out. I don't know how I'm still alive, but God sustained me. But God sustained me. Um, One of my friends wrote something really great this week. I just thought I'd read it out to you. She wrote, I think we are most free when we are most aware of who God is. Isn't that great? I stop and become aware of you. I stop and become aware of you. That means we can be free anytime, in any place. Second passage and last passage, Matthew 11, 28. Why don't you turn there if you've got your Bibles? You okay? Okay. Great. I'll read it for you. It says, Come to me, all you, who, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my load is not hard to carry. I think that there is an emotional weight to life. There is an emotional weight. There is more than just what's going on in a physical sense in how hard we're working with our bodies, in how we schedule our time, but there's an emotional weight um, to the things that happen in our lives. And sometimes I feel like the older I get, the more stains accumulate, the more my shirt gets a little bit stretched and a little bit tattered. And, you know, I carry more responsibility. Sometimes I feel like that. (laughs) It all accumulates. 
Being a devoted follower of Jesus, it can feel it can feel like an added weight to everything else that we're doing. We're working 50 hours a week. We're going to uni. Maybe we've got a house, we've got a mortgage, we've got children to take care of. We've, we, we have other responsibilities, we have family obligations. And you might feel like you don't even have time for those things, let alone how do you even be a follower of Jesus on top of all those things. <laughs> getting to church, sharing a meal. How do you even do anything other than just getting through the week? Sometimes I feel like that. I just want to show you a picture. Thanks, Alicia. This is, this is a yoke. This wooden thing that is between this donkey and this, what is that, ox? <laughs> That's called a yoke. <laughs> and um, a yoke is an agricultural tool. And you probably, you might have heard this before. Um, but if not, it's, a, it's an agricultural tool that a farmer would put on top of two animals like this. And it's so that they can carry a load together. Right? So they have this going across both of their shoulders and um, you, they would hook on like a, like maybe some baskets or maybe a cart, something to pull heavy things along. And, and they do it together. That way the animals aren't strained because they're working together. There's two of them, not one of them. Can you, can you show the second picture? I'm only showing this because I thought it was funny. This guy's like, no, nah, I'm done. <laughs> do you ever feel like that? Oh, I'm just going to sit here for a while. <laughs> I'm done. so a yoke so Jesus is saying here in this passage that we just read that I have a yoke a bit like that and if you come close to me and if you come alongside me and if you match your pace of life to my pace if you let me carry most of the weight I can help you through all the hard things if you rest beside me I can get you through that's what Jesus is saying with this illustration. The hardest way to follow Jesus is to live like everyone else around you, not make any changes to your schedule, not make any changes to your priorities, and then try and cram him in on top of what you're already doing. It's the hardest thing. I've tried and I've failed miserably many times. It's so hard. The easiest way to follow Jesus is to come alongside him and prioritise walking beside him. In our thinking, in our decision-making, the way we spend our time, so that it's not an add-on, it's a yoke. It's a way of living. It's a way of walking. I think sometimes we think spiritual rest, it means we do nothing. But I don't think that's true. Spiritual rest doesn't mean we're doing nothing. It means we're allowing God to do for us what we can't do on our own. We are allowing him to do it for us. But we're still in agreement with him and we're still in alignment with him and we're still walking beside him, yeah? Frederick Dale Bruner is a, one of the top um, literary scholars, if you like, um, particularly concerning the book of Matthew. And this is what he writes about the yoke that we've just read about. A yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when Jesus offers us a yoke, he offers us what we might think a worker needs least. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. But Jesus realises that the most restful gift he can give us is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities. 
Realism sees that life can be a succession of burdens that we can't get away from. But instead of offering escape, Jesus offers us equipment. I love that. Where it says, my yoke is easy, the Hebrew word for easy is actually, my yoke is useful and productive. My yoke is easy. My yoke is productive and useful and my burden is light. Instead of offering us an escape, he offers us equipment. Jesus means that when we're obedient to him, we will develop in us a balance and a way of carrying life that will give us more rest than the way we have been carrying it. How good is that? Amazing. If I can have Desire, do you mind coming up to play? Is that all right? Just as we, is that all right? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Surprise. Because <laughs> I just want to pray with you. I love what the Holy Spirit has already done here this morning, and I think that he wants to give you rest for your soul today. So if there's two practical things that you took away from today, these would be the two things. Let them be. Don't allow unbelief to rob you of the rest that God wants to give you. In Romans, it's said of Abraham, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised to do. I love that. Whenever I need to kick up the pants, that is my go-to. Kerry did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. But Andrew was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. And Rachel was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. I believe it. And I read it out loud to myself all the time. The second thing is, take up the invitation that Jesus offers when he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take him up on the offer. It is the best offer in the world. (laughs) Take him up on it. You won't regret it. You will never regret. You will never regret coming to him. You will never regret thinking to yourself, I can't do this on my own. I need to go to him. You won't regret it. It's the best thing you can do. Please take physical breaks. Please take holidays. Get to the beach. I love the beach. (laughs) But the very best thing you can do for yourself that will outlast a holiday is to go to Jesus and to take up his yoke or his way, to take up his way and he will help you. His rest can be gathered again every day. His mercy is new every day. When I clean the bedroom for my children, which is not often, but sometimes it's a surprise, I do it for them as a surprise. (laughs) When I clean the bedroom for my children, I say to them every time, If you do a little bit of cleaning up every afternoon, it's going to stay tidy and you'll be so relaxed and it's going to be so fun because how many know when when you, if you have children, you clean one area of the house and wherever the clean part is, that's where they want to go with all their toys and play. Anyone? Right? Every time, every time I tell them, if you just do a little bit every night, it will stay like this. It will stay relaxed. It will stay tidy. It will stay clean. And you'll be able to enjoy this space. Do they ever listen? Never. Never. And he's like, Joseph's like, yes, I believe you, buddy. You're the best. You're the best. We can be like this when it comes to getting to Jesus, coming to Jesus. We forget to come to him every day. 
and the rest that he offers us, we miss out on it and things get messy again and things get complicated again. But it doesn't need to be that way if we come to him daily. In a world where the average person watches four hours of TV per day, which adds up to two months of the year, two months of the year, be someone, be the difference, be someone who prioritizes a connection with God every day. Be that person. This will change our lives. It will change. He will change our lives. Coming to him, resting in him will change our lives. It will change our church. It will change your family. It will change this city if we come to him. It's a supernatural exchange that lasts forever. So maybe you need some rest for your soul today. Anyone? Sometimes I feel like I need some rest for my soul. Is anyone feeling tired? And you feel like you need to reconnect with your creator, with the one who made you? Joseph's like, no, I'm not tired. Why don't you all stand with me? We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to bring some rest to our spirit and to our soul right now. Is that all right? Holy Spirit, we need you. God, we love you. Lord, would you help us to remember today that we can come to you all the time, every day, with whatever we need, God, you are present. You are there. You see us. God, would you just grow in us, Lord, the desire to come and rest in your presence. And even now as we're in this place, in these couple of minutes, God, I pray for each person here, Lord, that you would bring a supernatural rest to their spirit right now, in Jesus' name, right where they're standing right now, right where they're standing with their family, right where they're standing in their life. Would you bring a supernatural rest right now, God? Why don't you just soften your heart now and just receive that rest that he wants to give you? There's nothing weird about it. nothing crazy about it. We just need to have willing hearts to accept what he's giving us. Lord, would you replace confusion with rest right now? God, would you replace exhaustion with rest right now? Lord, relational struggles. God, family struggles. You see them. You are aware of them. Would you give us rest for our spirit today in the midst of those things? And Lord, as we go from here, would you help us to continue to come to you every day? God, would you help us to make you the priority? not what we will physically do during the day. God, there's nothing else that can satisfy us in that way. There's nothing else that will bring us rest in that way. God, would you teach us, would you grow us in this way to come to you, Lord? Would you help us to walk alongside you? Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. 
You are so good, God. We love you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would seal right now what you've done in the hearts of people this morning. During the worship, during the communion, during the word that we've heard, would you just seal it in our hearts now, God? That we would walk away and not forget it, but walk in it for your glory in Jesus' name.